Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today we are reviewing a film that falls into a series that is absolutely beloved by many. We are reviewing Toy Story 4. Again, this is one of those episodes where I had the inclination to start off by singing the theme song and I refrained <laughs> for the ears of everyone. Oh, come on, Jen. Oh, uh, maybe we'll sing? end the episode with that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason that uh, my career as a singer did not take off <laughs> at a young age. <laughs> All right, let's start off with the IMDb summary and then in typical strategic whimsy experiment tradition, Sarah and I do our own little summaries and then I think it'd be awesome to talk about our relationship to the Toy Story world before we dive into the film itself. So Sarah. That sounds like a great plan. Awesome. Okay, so the IMDb summary. Take it away. When a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. All right, so what was your summary? And again, Sarah and I don't know our thought, our, each other's thoughts about this film, so I'm super keen on hearing her perspectives. My summary was feminism, Frankenstein, and creeptastic antiques. Ooh, very accurate. All things that we will dive into. <laughs> especially that feminism bit that was like one of my big things that I was like oh my gosh we need to talk about this because so many thoughts all right so mine is genre kids movie or total parent heart wrencher Mm, nice which alludes to one of my other big takeaways from this film (laughs) that it chose to do all right so what was your relationship to Toy Story prior to watching this film? Did you grow up having a beloved relationship with Toy Story? Or was it one of the many other films that you just happened to watch growing up? No, I loved Toy Story. It, I remember when it first came out and I, I was all for it. I've watched that movie so many times. I could probably still quote it if it's on in the background. Like, (laughs) I was obsessed with Toy Story as a kid. Um, I enjoyed Toy Story 2, but Toy Story 1 was was my jam. All righty. I grew up watching Toy Story probably not in the same way that most other kids watched it. Um, It would be the film that would sometimes play at camp or in school, like last day of school. Um, But I think from hearing a lot of other people's relationship to Toy Story and just how much they light up and have this fondness when remembering Toy Story, I think my childhood was not on that level. I, I think I grew up watching more of like the Disney princess movies and then Full House. Like that was my repertoire of films and <laughs> uh, media that, was, that I was consuming at a young age. Um, but I watched Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 leading up to this one because I was like, I, I just want to know what the previous ones were like slash I didn't want to miss out on any of the previous backstories. And I was incredibly impressed at how smart the dialogue was and some of the jokes were like it would have been absolutely fun and delightful for a kid but for the parents having to watch it with their children as well the dialogue is fantastic especially in the Mm -hmm. the first two I remember distinctly being blown away by that so you know even as an adult I'm watching the Toy Story series and having a grand old time and so I was curious going into Toy Story 4 what they would do with the plot line, especially after Toy Story 3 seemed to have perfectly wrapped things up. Like, was this going to be a money grab by Disney, Pixar, or were they really going to put some awesome storytelling in? Um, So that's, that's kind of the mentality that I had walking into Toy Story 4. Yeah, I was really nervous too because... I I mean, Toy Story 3 was, it's a thing, um, and it did really, really wrap it up nicely. So when I heard that they were making a Toy Story 4, I was like, no, what are you doing? Stop it. You, you ended it. It's fine. Don't touch it. 
So I was really nervous also walking into this, wondering es- what they would do. Especially after our most recent review of a Disney film was Aladdin, live action Aladdin. And it was an absolute total cash grab. And watching this film, I was floored at how much they had to say and how complex and three-dimensional the the story and plot line and the themes were woven together and the subtleties and nuances they were able to weave into this. Like, I, I was so impressed and actually very delighted as well after seeing uh, Live Action Aladdin. I was like, oh, yes, okay. Okay, you can make good stuff. This is good. This is good. <laughs> I had a similar reaction. Like, I went into this movie expecting, like, okay, this is going to be a train wreck. It's going to be bad. They made another sequel, and it's going to ruin the franchise. It's fine. Like, set your expectations low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's so much that they they tried to do in live-action Aladdin and failed that they were able to succeed at in Toy Story 4. And I, I completely agree with everything you said. Like, as I was, especially after I left the theater and I thought about it more, the more that I liked how it said what it needed to say, mm-hmm. I think that there was a lot in it that kids can take away, but also a lot in it that the parents can take away too. Yes, exactly. And I, 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 I just kept thinking the inner workings of some of those discussions as far as like priorities for Disney and just them being like all right live action Aladdin like do what you got to do but like y'all we need to make sure this one's really good like Toy Story 4 has got to be really really good so all the top talent for storytelling everyone over here like (laughs) y'all are going to be dedicated to this one live action Aladdin like priority three we'll make it it'll make some money it's fine but this one we can't ruin, guys. Let's take our top people and put them on this because, my goodness, I absolutely adored Toy Story 4. It was so fun and delightful. The plot kind of kept you on your toes. Uh, the jokes were fantastic. And it just had so much to say and was also so coherent with the other previous three films, which is something that's very hard to do. And with so much time spaced out between them as well, they they really knew their world and the thematic content so well that the fourth one just fit so perfectly into the rest of them. I, I think especially having watched all three of them that, that week leading up to going to see Toy Story 4, it blew me away even more to just see how this fit into the family of Toy Story and this larger theme that has been building on in each film um, and adding new complexities to it and bringing back old characters and weaving them together so tactfully um, was very, very impressed. And I love how they were able to take a storyline that was, I mean, it's tried and true and very, very similar to the first film, but make it not an exact copy. It didn't feel... Um, like we were being like cheated or like they were (laughs) just doing an exact copy of the first one, but they made it, like you said, they made it cohesive and they made it fit within the world. And it's a, it's a plot line that we're so familiar with, but it still was unique and new and they added fresh elements to it that we haven't seen from Toy Story before. So Mm -hmm. it was a, a brilliant combination of things that we've seen before, but with enough newness to make it fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Can you guess where my Star Wars reference may be? Our, uh, <laughs> almost every episode Star Wars reference. Yeah. We haven't done one of those in a little in a while. while huh? right? We've been yeah. slipping. But, wow. uh, I was going to allude to the fact that, uh, you were talking about how they, they did a great job of not doing an exact remake. And I was just thinking mm-hmm. of Star Wars Episode Seven. It got a lot of shit for the fact that it was almost every plot point aligned to Episode Four to the point of the the main mission in the final third act was, 
oh, we're going to take down the Death Star by hitting this vulnerable spot, but it's just a bigger Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. See, sometimes Disney gets it really right, and sometimes they get it really wrong. Hey, I had no problems with Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's yeah, another my, conversation for another episode. My, my biggest thing about episode seven was that it felt like the others. So I didn't really care that it was an exact carbon copy. They didn't destroy it like I thought they would. <laughs> but that's another topic for another day. Yes. Yes. But um, one thing that I did want to touch on is I was curious to see how they would pick up the story of Bonnie and and the, the, the toys at the and, – and how they would pick that up in the beginning of episode – not episode four. Gosh. Toy Story 4. <laughs> We're now making trilogies. Um, Close enough. Coming off of the third one, especially because I had, I had just seen the third one like the night before um, for the first time. But for a lot of people, it, it had been nine years uh, Toy Story episode three <laughs> um, came out in 2010 and it's nine years later and Toy Story 4 is coming out. And so it's been nine years since we've last revisited what the heck happened at the end. And the way that they started Toy Story 4 just had me like sitting in my seat with my popcorn, like nodding my head, just just like, yes, they did this right. Do the little flashback, like bring us back to the world um, remind us how much we fell in love with the relationship that Andy had with the toys and all these um, picture-perfect Pixar moments of like the sun shining, the grass is green, the, the sun streaming through the trees. We're in his like beautiful blue room. But then transition that quickly to, okay, now we're invested in Bonnie. And Bonnie is kind of like a parallel and a representation to the joy in the relationship that Andy had. And I thought that was so smart and so wise of them to do instead of just picking up directly with Bonnie's storyline because we we don't have a strong relationship with Bonnie other than the last, like, 15 minutes of Toy Story 3. And to really get us to be invested emotionally, they had to kind of do that flashback to Andy and then show how Bonnie was a parallel. And... My gosh, I was sitting in my seat like 10 minutes into the into this film being like, they knew what they were doing. They really did. And it was such a strategic move. Yeah, I thought so too. I haven't seen, I only saw Toy Story 3 once and when it came out. <laughs> I don't really remember yeah. the movie. <laughs> uh, Other than that your, your friends came out of the theater bawling, which is what I heard yes. a lot of folks did. <laughs> yes, all of my friends were like sobbing after this movie and they're like, Oh my gosh, it was so emotional. Sarah, you have to see this movie. And I, I saw it and I don't even remember what I thought about it, but I for sure didn't cry at the end of it. Um, but, and I just, I remember the, the big pink bear that was creepy. Like that's oh, all I remember yes. from the movie. Lasso. Yes, that's all I remember. <laughs> um, so I needed that introduction into back into the world because obviously I know who Andy is and I'm like 100% like, yes, Andy, you're great. And then they showed Bonnie and it took a second for my brain to register <laughs> who she was. I was like, oh, new kid. Okay, now I'm with you. We're good. Mm-hmm. So I needed that build up to her and that emotional weight from Andy um, allowed me to care a little bit more about Bonnie Mm -hmm. because they, they did do that parallel, which was just brilliant. Yeah, that was, and that was one of my big concerns going into this film is the, a lot of the IMDB and plot summaries for this was like the toys new adventure with Bonnie. And I was really focusing on that. And I, I worried going in that I wouldn't care about Bonnie Like, I'm like, who's this new girl replacing the person that we've seen on screen for all these other films? Like, it would have, I I feared that it would deviate so much from the previous storyline and that they were going to go on this, like, whole new adventure that didn't feel related and it would feel unfamiliar and thus jarring. But man, they tied that together and, like, it almost didn't matter who the kid was because it was just it was Andy represented as like the child who needs 
the toys to be there for him. And like, that's, that's what Bonnie represented. And it worked so well. We were invested from the beginning. And she is, at least for me, like more of a tertiary character, you know, Mm -hmm. it was all about Woody and helping this new toy assimilate because Bonnie needed him. And so seeing their growth over it was way more important to me than the kid. But she was, um, you did get that empathy with her. And you're like, oh, okay, this is cool. We can Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. I got you, Bonnie. Yeah. It also helped that her eyes were just gigantic and adorable. And she was the most sweet. (laughs) Yeah. But again, it was really smart that they didn't, give her a lot of like quirks or focus on the relationship that she had with her toys as much as the relationships in between the toys themselves. Like in one and two and three, well, less than three, actually, mostly in one and two, there's a lot of focus on um, showing Andy with his cowboy hat on and his room Mm -hmm. and how he's going to cowboy camp and all these quirks and the relationship that Woody had with Andy And it was smart for them not to show, like, now Bonnie's has this relationship with either Woody or Buzz. Like, they almost just, just, like, stepped back from that entirely because I think they know that we would have been like, who's this person replacing Andy? Like, no one can replace him. You can't put a cowboy hat on her and have her, like, have this awesome relationship with Woody the same way. It's not going to work. So let's just not even go there. And you're right, she was the tertiary character, she served a function, but she was definitely not the main focus. Yeah, and it makes you feel, like, right from the outset with Bonnie, like, you see, um, at least for me, like, her leaving Woody in the Mm -hmm. closet, it was like, aw, poor Woody. Yeah. Man, sorry, buddy, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, So you're you're building off of those years that we have invested spending time with Woody um, and all of the adventures that he's gone and how he's cared for not only the other toys, but also for Andy. Like, and you're like, what the heck? Woody, Yeah. what's going on? So you already start with so much emotional weight in this movie and you're like 10 Mm -hmm. minutes in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you almost just want him to be played with like, yeah. You remember Andy, like, running around his room and that, like, slightly slow-mo shot of, like, Woody flying in the air with this just the content look on his face. And you want that for him. Um, so you're already personally invested in him wanting to be there for the kid. I think the other really smart thing they did um, with the Bonnie character was pretty early on in the first act of the film show the scene where she goes to school and Mm -hmm. she is alone and has to like figure out how to create a moment of joy and and a friend for herself and that is so universal that every person in the theater can like connect with that and resonate with that and like immediately they've like built this connection with this character that we might not be invested in at all because, heck, we've all been in the situation where you feel uncomfortable, everyone seems to be having a good time, and you just feel so alone. And so that was also an incredibly smart move. And that happens pretty early on in the film. I think it's like 15 minutes in, uh, 15, 20 minutes in, um, and we're, we're there with her. We can, we can connect with her on some level. See, at first, with that school scene, I was having all kinds of problems with that. Oh, no. Because <laughs> that us, preschool teacher, that, <laughs> what was her name? Miss Wendy or whatever it is. I'm like, ma'am, you are bad at your job. Mm-mm, no, you do not <laughs> let a preschooler sit by themselves on day one. No, you say, oh, hey, come sit over here. Meet a friend. We're all friends here. Like, come on. <laughs> and then the little boy stole her supplies. I know. Oh. Man, she was not paying attention. She's not good at her job. Well, it was probably like a 30 to 1 ratio, so, you know. (laughs) That's true. But she did have the classic, like, Bob haircut, which I just chuckled to myself. It's like, (laughs) wow, this is so accurate. (laughs) Alrighty, so 
we've referenced some things in our early initial thoughts, one of them being Bo Peep's character. Let's unpack her. What were your thoughts on Bo Peep and what they did with her? I was so, so nervous about Bo Peep (laughs) because I knew that she was going to be like more of a badass in this, but I was, I was worried that they would take her character to an extreme that it didn't need to go to. And I feel like they really threaded that needle perfectly. Like she was, she was tough and she was decisive and she was like, yeah, let's do this. I can be a leader. Like, Rah, rah, go, bo, peep. But then she also <laughs> was able to be sensitive and soft and admit when she was wrong and all of these characteristics that you, I feel like you don't always see in a movie that's so pointedly making a point about like femininity and what it's like to be a woman. And so I love how multifaceted this character was. And I love that we got that in an animated movie. Yes. (laughs) The minute she was on screen and she had pants, I was like, oh, God, where is this going? Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) And I fully agree with you. My gosh, they, they hit every note of the nuances of her character so well that I just kept thinking to myself, how does this compare with jazz what they did with Jasmine yes. in live action Aladdin and all of our qualms with what they did with Jasmine and this pandering uh girl power female empowerment whole song that they gave Jasmine and how Ugh. obvious and unsubtle <laughs> it was and just literally hit like spoon feeding it into our mouths um and how much we were just like so frustrated with that and Bo Peep felt like the answer to that whole conversation (laughs) (laughs) because they they managed to make it feel so effortless and and seamless as well um it was also a quite a large challenge um when I was thinking back to it of they had two films I don't think she was in the third Toy Story but in one and two I believe she was in two I might be wrong about that but Everything we've seen of Bo Peep to this up until this point is her in the big old dress, just yep. smooching Woody, being this soft-spoken, um, graceful, elegant woman, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But to transform her into the Bo Peep that we see in Toy Story 4, I mean, they had to figure out how to have that make sense for us and f- how to make that feel so natural. And so this whole idea of she was on the shelf and she was getting restless and then she was a lost toy and she was adventuring, like that whole storyline just immediately created buy-in and um, fit logically into her storyline and explain why she is the way she is and she's got this spunk now. And it was... I mean, it was so nuanced and complex the way they they characterized her, and uh, they just did an amazing job. I was so impressed. Again, one of the it was one of those things where I went in thinking, "Oh God, what are they going to do?" And they 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 nailed it. My goodness, they really nailed it. They really, really did. And at least for for me, I I kept thinking about. Jasmine as well while I was watching it was interesting how like I was comparing Toy Story 4 not to the other Toy Story movies but (laughs) to live action Aladdin and Mm -hmm. this really did feel on so many levels like like the the answer to Mm. Aladdin but you know Princess Jasmine that character felt so forced and Mm -hmm. it didn't I mean, it was it was so, so obvious. And in Toy Story 4, she was just her. And that was mm-hmm. okay. And they were unapologetic about this character. And there was no need to make her anything more than she was. Like, mm-hmm. that is what the character needed to be. And that's good. That's enough. 
And I really liked that they didn't have to really shine a spotlight on, you know, what it's like to be a female. Like, there was nothing about that. There was nothing about, you know, women empowerment or anything like that because they didn't need it. Yes, exactly. And she also wasn't a just character thrown in kind of on the sidelines to just check the box of female empowerment as well. Like she was an integral part of pushing the plot forward and she had agency and made decisions and created plans and she was resourceful. I loved her little skunk vehicle. Like, yes, awesome. The, The weaving of that into the plot line as well was also I think a big part of why she is she was such an inspiring character to see because it wasn't that she was just awesome and on point and subtle and nuanced and fantastic, but on the side, like she was integral. I mean, she's a huge part of this whole film, um, and that was that was just amazing to see. It just it gave me so much hope of being able to see these amazing characters on screen and have it feel so natural. Um, in future films. I mean, I'm excited to see what they do next, really. If they can create Bo Peep and have it make some awesome sense from what she used to be, like, heck, we've got hope. <laughs> yeah, what else can they do? <laughs> yes. let's, let's have more characters like Bo Peep and fewer like Jasmine. That would be great. <laughs> and again, this is this is how I go back to that, like, that, uh, um, scene in my head of just people sitting around a table like walking through their whiteboard of like all the films coming out and being like okay Toy Story 4 this is a priority guys all your best efforts all your awesome thinking dedicated to this Aladdin it's fine come up with whatever you think makes sense whatever but this one all your smartest thoughts and strategicness gotta go here <laughs> because they nailed it I mean they, they clearly have proven that they can do it really well ah so good one of the other things that I, I think is is important for us to talk about that just really was something that I kept like I kept ruminating on is how much Toy Story, this film, Toy Story 4 specifically, but even the rest of the the what do you even call it? The cinematic universe of Toy Story? Sure. Um <laughs> has somehow managed to be delightful and fun for kids, but it doesn't stop at that. They're so much complex themes that are universal to all humans that is so thoroughly impressive. There are, there are kids' movies that are just to- a total romp. You're just running around, having fun. It's an, a lot of action, lots of jokes happening, but there's not as much to say. And Toy Story has so many complex themes that are universal to both parents and children that children might not be picking up on. But for example, the themes of like parents letting go of their children or that fear of abandonment or like the identity crisis that Forky deals with and Gabby Gabby deals with and Motorcycle Guy, Duke Kaboom deals with. Like they have somehow managed to make these toys be able to represent those complex human emotions so accurately it's almost terrifying how well they're able to do that (laughs) um so let's talk about that a little bit because i think it's something really unique to specifically the series that we've seen moments of this in other films like i'm thinking about zootopia that kind of deals with something similar or inside out but i have not seen a children's movie or cinematic universe be able to do it as well as Toy Stories are. And that was one of the things that really struck me so strongly watching all three of them leading up to this fourth one. Like, my goodness, it's really impressive. I think you really hit the nail on the head. Like, they tackle such complex themes and it's it's so layered. And I was so keenly aware of our our desire to belong and the importance mm. of empathy like and I can see those two things in all four of the movies and no matter what your age is or your life experience is you want to be able to belong somewhere and 
we need to be able to empathize with each other. And so you're teaching kids how to do these things through these characters, which is great, but it's also this reminder to adults, like, yeah, yeah, you need this too. And Mm -hmm. I think because they didn't settle for a, I don't know, a a watered-down version of it, then it's even more impactful. Mm-hmm. And of course, like like you said in the beginning, like the the dialogue is so witty, the jokes are <laughs> funny, and they didn't and they managed to do that without being like crass or crude, which is sometimes mm-hmm. the way that kids' movies get away with, you know, roping the adults in, but they didn't need to do that in this franchise. Like they actually had like genuine humor throughout. And man, the the writing was brilliant and so many of the choices they made were so good like it's just a higher caliber of movie (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly yeah I mean the even like the (laughs) the different characters that they've managed to conjure up just there's so much imagination in it I I was so struck by that like the I don't even know the actual names to be honest like the t-rex was this like ball of nervous energy mm-hmm. and um, Mr. Potato Head was like this snarky character and Mrs. Potato Head was this like cut like the the like endearingly nagging wife who's like, honey, <laughs> don't forget your note. You know, like they've and like the um the slinky dog character, gosh, I'm really butchering these. Yeah. I don't know Slink. the actual names. Slink. Yes. And he was like this like old wise dude who like (laughs) was always faithfully there and there's just this bright color palette of characters and personalities and we've seen so many of those in our daily lives that they just immediately are so recognizable to us um and they've managed to make that fit the the visual of the toy as well and have it make sense uh it, it was i mean the writers of this are just so imaginative and creative with what they've been able to do. Yeah, they really, they didn't half-ass any of these movies. Like, Mm -hmm. the more that I've thought about all of them, the more that you see just how much intentionality and detail went into all of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially the interpersonal dynamics of all of these characters as well just felt very true to what that character or that personality, if we were to up-level it, what that personality would do or operate or say in that moment. Like, so for example, in Toy Story 1, Woody's fear and jealousy of being replaced by Buzz and him kind of lashing out at Buzz and they're kind of like sibling squabbles, but really it comes out of place of Woody if fears that he's going to be replaced and thus abandoned by the one that he loves. And he's kind of lashing out and quarreling from that place of, of anxiety and of fear. And my goodness, that is universal to all humans. Like we, that just hits close to home, you know? And, um, I think that's also displayed really beautifully in this film. I was so struck by, the theme that Toy Story 4 deals with and comments on of parents learning to let go of their children, I did not see that coming at all. Hmm. I did not think that this film was going to take on a topic like that. I was fully expecting it to be this kind of fun little adventure that we go on with these toys again. But they, they, they deal with this really difficult stage of life for parents where they realize that Um, They're becoming empty nesters soon and their kids don't need them the same way. And the the softness that this film and that ending, it was just nuanced and graceful the way they did that. And I love that we're able to see how much Woody has grown over Mm -hmm. the franchise. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you see him in the beginning of Toy Story 4, like trying to take control and trying to be the leader and trying to be in charge. And he was able to step back, take care of his people, you know, that kind of thing, even though he struggled with it. But when he was rejected by Bonnie 
he didn't lash out, but he continued to like, no, I'm going to do what's right by her. And when she created this new toy that she absolutely loved, he took care of it and he was willing to put in the time to make sure that she was okay. And so you're able to see him go from selfishness in the the Mm -hmm. first film to selflessness here. And I think that's just such a beautiful example that we're able to see this growth in this character over, I don't know, what, 20 years? I don't remember when number one came out, but Mm -hmm. that's just a beautiful thing. And then to be able to let go and say goodbye and like, he's gonna be okay, we're going to be okay. Bonnie's going to be okay. We're all okay. It's fine. Yes. It was such a beautiful way to end it. And even that that moment uh, they're like sitting outside by in the alley and Bo Peep's like, why are you so like keen on this? And he he kind of explodes and he, he like finally will admit to himself like, it's because I don't know what my purpose is without yeah. making a child happy. Like, this is all I know now. And if, I, if I'm if i not the one being played with, then, like, my role now is to help make sure that the one that she loves is being played with. But, like, this is all I know and all I've never, ever known. And there, he's that, that, like, desperation came off so accurately in that moment of, like, not wanting to admit that to yourself, but him finally being like, this is, I don't know my purpose, so this is all I have. And so I'm holding on to it desperately was incredible to see my goodness which again is such a universal thing like (laughs) I feel like we've all been in those situations where you're like you blow up and then you're like oh crap that was the problem oh no (laughs) okay and then you have to deal with it because you were grappling with this thing you didn't understand Oh my gosh, the the ability to put so much humanity in these toys is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. It goes back to one of those things, and I know I reference this all the time, but it just constantly amazes me, is the the writer's and creator's ability to take what's a universal human emotion, up-level, like draw that out, identify that, and then infuse that back into a freaking toy inanimate (laughs) object and make that feel so authentic and true to that like character takes a lot of craft and also a lot of sensitivity like they clearly know the nuances and the timing and the place that that an explosion like that and that desperation like that could happen They've been I been able to isolate it and like put it back into this character so accurately and it it takes a great deal of sensitivity and keen observation to do that so well. And I'm always amazed at that. It's one thing to know it and another to craft that. Yep, that is the magic mm-hmm. from Disney that we want. Yep. Yep. So another one of those moments in this film that I was like, wow, so good. So good, Pixar. Um, that's a universal, I think, human thing that like anyone in the audience can resonate with is this theme of learning your identity and being reminded of who you are and then operating out of that, which is something that you and I often talk about, but you see that so much on display with Forky, Um, constantly like running to the trash and not embracing his new identity as being a toy that is beloved by a child because he only knows what he's made out of and what he's always been. And he's like, I made, what's that line that's like, I made for chili, blah, blah, blah. And then the trash, (laughs) it's in the trailer. (laughs) I don't remember it exactly. Um, But you see that with him. Um, You see this again with Duke Kaboom of, you know, in the final third act when he's like I am Duke Kaboom and then he can finally do his big like <laughs> stunt and even with Gabby Gabby of her embracing the fact that she can be loved by a child and that she's not just like this forgotten thrown away toy that's been broken and like putting herself in a situation where she is vulnerable and like putting herself out there for that child that was lost 
like these characters that can only do and embrace and step into what they were called to when they fully realized and accepted like their new identity and like not dealing with the insecurities and the shame and the lies of who they think that they are, which is more negative than they actually are. Oh my gosh, it just warmed my little heart to see that. Yeah, I think it's such a a profound thing. And they did it. I love that they used multiple characters mm. to drive mm-hmm. that point home. Interesting, it yeah. wasn't. And this whole film wasn't just about one character, but they all grew so much over the course of the film, and each of them dealt with something different. And so you can take what you want from this movie, which is great. It's like a big buffet. Like, okay, <laughs> you want to focus on this? Great. You take that piece. Um, and I thought, especially with Forky, like, he annoyed the freaking crap out of me I was so (laughs) frustrated by him the entire time but I so appreciated the character because it reminded me of of people who have suffered trauma and Mm -hmm. or suffered abuse and it's so easy when you get that that script running through your head all the time and if you're constantly believing like oh I'm trash I'm trash I'm trash like that will motivate all of your behaviors but if you can find, you know, that healthy community that will love you and like walk yes. with you through this stuff, like you can really heal from that and, and embrace your true identity, which is not trash. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so many layers to it. And the fact that they can address something like that in such an obvious way without having to like clearly state like, we are talking about identity here. (laughs) Please follow along. Like, Mm. no, we can get into the story because to some degree, we've all experienced that before. And, oh man, they just, they did so good. Yes. Yeah. And, and so much humor came out of those moments as well. Like Mm -hmm. you're laughing along with him, but then you're like, oh crap. Like this has so many applicability to like, my own life and oh this kind of hits home like (laughs) yeah I think and that's the beauty of comedy is that it can it can disarm you and so to quote you on that yep (laughs) your recent uh medium post about uh our review of it's a mad 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 world was that comedy can disarm you and then usher in this message of hope or whatever it is um while you're laughing and how Mm -hmm. powerful that is yeah there were some great forky moments (laughs) yeah it oh my gosh but god it was so frustrating but I think that's also another like moment that like a parent could relate to Mm because that's what it totally felt like I mean I'm not a parent so I could be wrong but I would imagine that like once kids are in like the toddler stage like that's exactly what Forky was like Mm -hmm. you turn your back for two seconds and then they've like (laughs) destroyed something it's like oh my gosh you were just there a second ago why did you destroy the thing (laughs) so I think that's another layer to it and it's funny for kids because he's a a spork that's just (laughs) acting foolish but then it's also funny for the parents because they can empathize with what Woody's going through right now. Mm. Yeah. I think that's also what makes Woody such an endearing character as well. I mean, I was just so shook by him. He is constantly so faithful and so dedicated to whatever he is convicted by and believes to be what his purpose is. And that love of conviction is always something that is awe-inspiring. And you see that a lot in the Forky scenes is he does not give up on Forky at all and continues to like faithfully rescue him out of the trash. And yeah, he gets frustrated and that's also very human. I mean, you see parents get to the end of their, um, their patience, but yet again, again, and again, he is faithful in bringing Forky back to where he belongs. And it makes you fall in love with Woody as a character. 
yeah, to see that, that consistency is, mm-hmm. is wonderful. And he's just, he's such a good guy character. Yes. <laughs> but without being like over the top, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to write those kind of characters and bring those kind of characters to life. Cause usually they're too good and then they don't seem real. So the fact that they intentionally and at the right moments added in those moments of frustration that makes him all the more real and you can love him even more because he is a flawed character but he's still good mm-hmm. and even from toy story one you see a lot of his flaws as well of mm-hmm. kind of wanting to ice out buzz because he feels threatened and it, and i think you see his flaws but you recognize that He's operating this way from a place of his love for something else, which is Andy. And there's something about that that just is so easily forgivable. You're like, oh, I mean, it's because you love him is why you want to protect <laughs> that relationship. Like, can we blame you? Not really. But are you being kind of an ass right now? Like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully you'll get over that by the end of the film. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> So another thing that I wanted to mention is I was struck by how beautifully this film was shot. There are some fantastic just like moments of cinematography that happened in this film that I was like not prepared for. Um, (laughs) One of them that I remember distinctly was the shot of Woody and Bo Peep at the very, very opening of the film. And it's like, it's raining and you see their silhouettes in this like dramatic moment. I was like, wow, that's a beautiful shot. It reminded me of the rain shot. Um, it's also a silhouette in the rain kind of framed similarly with the, the, the figure to like two thirds of the screen um, that happens in Columbus. It also happens in the opening. Do you, do you remember which shot I'm talking about by chance? If not, I'll have to send it to you after. I do not know. Okay, but it reminded me of that one. So that was one where I was like, wow, that is a beautiful shot. Um, one of the other things I was struck by was the level of detail in animation of the leaves in the gutter shots. Yes. Like, I mean, animation's come a long way since 1995 oh, yeah. to be able to shoot that. It almost looked so realistic that I was like, what's happening here? Um, but – I was really impressed with the level of detail there. And then um, the the two parallel shots, one at the beginning when Bo Peep and Woody are having to say bye to each other and his, Woody's hands are on the box and you see him ready mm-hmm. to get in and then he, he realizes that he can't leave her. And yeah. there's this parallel shot at the very end of the film where – I think he's um, his hands are on like the edge of the the top of the carousel, again with Bo Peep, and he's about to like get in with her, and then he decides that he he like should maybe go back to his friends, but then he goes back to her anyway. Um, those parallel shots and like the way the camera moves and that I was like, but they really thought through the cinematography for this as well, not just the storyline. I was quite impressed. And I was amazed at how much was going on in the background. Mm. Like, it wasn't just a, oh, we're going to make sure that these characters are detailed and that the shot looks nice. But, like, they put so much extra effort into every little bit that they did, especially in the antique shop. Like, oh, my Mm. gosh, how many antiques they had scattered across. Like, they could have really like saved some money and half-assed that part but nope they put all kinds of crap in that antique shop and it was wonderful (laughs) I loved watching and like seeing all of the little things that I could find and just seeing the detail and the intricacy of it all like Mm. uh, good job guys yeah put in extra effort there's a shot of uh Bo Peep and Woody running through like the little back corners and of the antique shop, and there's like the the like slight glints of spider webs that they yeah. animated in there. Yeah, dust bunnies. Dust bunnies. Yes. Oh, so good. Okay, is there anything else that we haven't talked about? 
that is top of mind or that you were struck by? How did you feel about Gabby Gabby and uh, her her Vincent minions? <laughs> the moment I saw her, I was like, she's going to be evil. Like, she sounds all oh, cute, yeah, 100%. but like, she's going to be evil. I appreciate that they... I think this is a common theme that is popping up in a lot of kids' movies recently. But I appreciate that they made her evilness be complex and then kind of understood by the audience and then like redeemed because I mean I think it just reflects a lot of the the times that we live in now and just the the portrayals of certain people groups and things like that like we need films like this that show these people are perceived as villains and they might be operating in a way that's destructive, but there's a reason and a story behind why they are doing that. And I appreciated that they did that with her character of she just wants to be loved by a child, but she's broken and she can't be. And that's really her root desire. It's manifested in a way that maybe we shouldn't, but <laughs> the root desire is almost exactly the same as Woody's root desire throughout all of the Toy Story films. And I thought that was very in line with a lot of the things that we see. I'm thinking back to our um, How to Train a Dragon and mm-hmm. how there was a similar theme of like they, they are not evil, they're just misunderstood and they have reasons and a story behind why they are the way they are. What did you think of her? Yeah, I I was really annoyed by her, which <laughs> is not surprising. Um, but I am really glad that they took the time to redeem the character. I wish that they would have had just a little bit more, um, a little bit more focus on her redemption. It, I knew that that's where they were going to go. So it didn't surprise me when we got there, but I, I just wish that there was a little bit more. I just needed a couple more minutes, um, to fully buy into that. Um, but I agree. I think that we live in a time where empathy is so needed and we all desire to be understood. And I think that more kids films especially need mm-hmm. to have those things so that we can start instilling those values in kids at a younger age. Cause I mean, I really wasn't taught that I had to learn that, you know, as I was older, mm-hmm. but if, if kids are able to start having, you know, empathy and, and understanding for somebody else's point of view and, you know, willing to, you know, care for them and, be a friend to them, even when they're hurting, like, holy crap, that generation's going to be so much better than ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of see that through the way that Woody continues to like pursue her and believe in her. Like when she gets thrown away by the little redhead girl, Woody could have easily like just walked away from that, but he, he went back to her. And to give her a chance to be loved and be redeemed. And I thought that was really, really, like, again, why he's, his character is so endearing. But it was a really beautiful moment. But I do, I do feel like they should have spent maybe some more time or, like, framed it in a way where we can message out, like, we get that you want to be loved, but also you can't just like steal another toy's voice box. Yeah, exactly. That's like we okay. almost never deal with that fact at all. She's just like, all right, now back with all the friends and now she's good. But like yeah. homegirl was trying to like take your organs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's real creepy. I, yeah. And she I hired mean... the like weirdo silent <laughs> creepy dolls to come after you. Uh, we never, yeah. we never dealt with that. <laughs> nope. No, we didn't. No. But, I mean, they needed to to redeem the character. So we just, we glossed over that. Woody got over it. So I guess we should too. But, 
Yeah, I wouldn't have gone back for her. So but I guess like, Woody's a better have, person than I. Could they have given... I'm just thinking out loud here. Uh, and maybe this would have been too obvious, but could they have given her a moment to be a little sorry? Or, like, a little reflective of, like... I don't know. That could have, That might be too on the nose or whatnot, but she never reflects on what she did. No, it's just kind of like, oh, it's Now she okay. got what she wanted because yeah. somebody was good to her. So, yeah, they didn't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, I'm also curious what your thoughts on what they did with Buzz in a, the later half of these Toy Story films because he, he was this awesome, valiant character who is super cool in the first one. And then I feel like as this, the series has gone on, he's just more and more and more of a side character, which is fine. I get, I get that we need, we need a following protagonist and that like emotional investment is limited. And so we need to prioritize it somewhere, but he felt like he was just kind of tossed off to the side in this film. And I, I wanted more like fun buzz moments and some of that whole like inner voice stuff too just made him look like a total like dweeb which I didn't love I'm like buzz deserves a little better than this guys he's not an idiot (laughs) yeah I felt the same way I did want more of buzz but I also wanted more of the original crew like rex and ham and mr potato head like those were my favorite I loved Rex and Ham. They were my two favorites as a kid. And so, like, I wanted to see more of them because they're so ridiculous. And Ham is so sarcastic. And it's wonderful. <laughs> and I love and then, that Andy had him play the villain villain whenever yes. he would do play pretend. Oh, uh, it's so perfect. <laughs> so I wanted to see more of all of the original crew. Like, I understand why we couldn't because they had such a big cast of characters. So they had to be strategic where they devoted time. Um, And they had so many different plot lines going and so many different themes happening. So there was a lot that they had to resolve. So I I get why they didn't, but yeah, I did want more for Buzz because he was such an, an integral part of, what started this whole thing. So I was, I was hoping that we'd get some more, um, but you know, we got a lot of Woody. So we did get a lot of Woody and badass Bo Peep, badass Bo Peep, some like creepy dolls, this Mm -hmm. like whiny girl who like (laughs) needs some attention. And then like, testosterone man duke kaboom who like <laughs> whose pride was a little shook at a his in his prime years but now he's redeemed it's all good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so final thoughts and do you think they're gonna make a toy story 5 and do you want a toy story 5 uh my final thoughts are uh, good job, Pixar. Proud of you. Thank you for ma- making a sequel that didn't suck. Yeah, my my expectations were exceeded by far. I actually enjoyed this movie. I think that this is a an important movie for for kids to watch. I'm so excited that you know we have this like new generation that can you know, learn all of these lessons and get to know these characters even more. I think it's it's really, really good what they've created. And what I so appreciate about the makers of this is they didn't want to make a fourth one unless it was right. Mm. And this was right. They did so, so well. And I'm so pleased that they were as intentional as they were. Um, so I really really hope that there is not a toy story five <laughs> please pixar do not make a toy story five like mm-hmm. one through four are great you have made something incredible please leave it as is don't keep adding we don't need another sequel <laughs> but is that what people said after the third one too 
<laughs> yeah, but just how many times are you going to be able to make magic like that? Like, true. Very please true. don't press your luck. Please do not destroy this franchise that is almost perfect. Like, yeah, just don't true. do it. Yes. I echo a lot of the same thoughts. This got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was, Sarah and I both went in thinking, is it really going to be that good? <laughs> and my goodness, this blew away all of my doubts and fears for what this film would be. I am just honestly so impressed by this whole series and their ability to keep the level of storytelling and thematic content so high across four films and what are we at like three decades almost almost three decades maybe like 25 years I think the first one came out in 95 so it's been 25 years of incredible content and the writers and creators and filmmakers of this know what Toy Story is about so deeply and so intimately and we get magic like this. I want, if I have kids, to have them watch these and be able to pick up on so much. And I hope that it it grows up as they grow up and they take new things from it because it's not just a fun romp. It is fun and it is hilarious, but there's so many layers and I'm just so impressed by this whole series. I, I hope they don't make a Toy Story 5 for a couple reasons, but the primary one is that they ended this film with Woody and Bo going off on their little honeymoon adventure and separating the crew. And so in a Toy Story 5 film, they can go one of two ways. Either they reunite Woody and the rest of the crew, which would completely discount the ending of this fourth film, or they continue to have the crew separated and tell the story separately but that almost feels painful to have to watch because we love them together and so I think they should just end on a high note and leave this perfection the way it is and don't touch it I am just impressed by this whole series I'm a huge fan I wish that Toy Story had been more of my childhood but alas at my ripe old age, I can still fully appreciate this and have a great time. So we highly recommend going to see Toy Story 4. It's It just came out in theaters about a week ago. So there's still plenty of time to see it. There's so much to unpack. See it with your friends of any age. See it with your grandparents. See it with your kids. This is truly, I mean, truly a film for all ages. And usually kids' films we can sometimes say is for all ages where there's some content for the parents, but this one really is for all ages. There's so many universal themes for us as human beings that will resonate no matter how old you are. Yeah, it really was a joy to watch. And as much as I hate uh, giving money to the Disney Death Star, this is... 100% worth it. This was a very, very well done film. Well deserved. Yes. Yep. It's a, it's a really good one to go see, especially in theaters. So you can be fully immersed in the adventure with the characters. Yeah. See, this is why you can't, it's hard to hate on the Disney Death Star when they do stuff like this. I know. It's like you're hot and you're cold. If you sucked all the time with Aladdin live action (laughs) It'd be easier to hate on you, but gosh, you crank out some beautiful, subtle, fantastic pieces, and oh, I just can't help but be like, well done, Disney Death Star. You, this is why you make a crap ton of money mm-hmm. <laughs> because yep. you do great stuff like this. Yep, it truly, it truly is magic. Like yeah. that made me think of. Like, this is what you should be producing, not all the other crap. Like, do more <laughs> things like this. Yes, exactly. Alrighty. Well, this was our review of Toy Story 4. Again, it's still out in theaters. You have plenty of time. Go out and see it. Uh, talk about it with a friend or your family or whoever you end up seeing it with afterwards. Um, there is so much to talk about 
one of the reasons why we started the Strategic Whimsy Experiment podcast. We, Sarah and I, just absolutely were captivated by the way that films were able to spark discussion and were able to be a, a unifying place where pe- we could talk about complex topics that don't often come up. Um, but ultimately, this was just a passion of ours. We absolutely love film and we wanted a place and an outlet for infusing whimsy into our lives. And so we highly encourage you to do the same. Maybe it's film, uh, maybe it's something else entirely, but feel free and give yourself the freedom to do something just because you love it and not feel the pressure to meet any goals or deadlines or milestones, but solely because it's a whimsical and it brings you life. And that's why we do the strategic whimsy experiment. And with that, we will be back next week with another episode. Um, In the meantime, we hope you have an awesome week. Enjoy the July 4th weekend and we will see you soon.